Kazzy, how you going, mate? Yeah, good to you, man. Good to hear, good to hear. What have you been up to? Did you have a good weekend? Mate, I had a great weekend. It was a, it was a fantastic uh, weekend filled with good footy. Uh, some Wolfie giving us some great bets to really round out a Saturday. Really and, uh, and a Father's Day for all the fathers out there. How was your, how was your first Father's Day, Wick? It was my second, second Father's Day. Second Father's Day. This one, this, one you, this one you got a Father's Day where they're more than just like lifeless blobs, you know? Yes, absolutely. I mean, that with full respect, but babies under, you know, five months can't do much more than cry and shit and sleep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they, they're active. Yeah, you're right. They're active, I suppose. That wasn't too bad, I suppose. I had actually a big day on the Saturdays. My cousin's 30th. We went out fishing. Oh, Marvel, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Marvellous day. Didn't catch a single fish, though. Uh, but it was a good day, you know. Four walls theorem, or, or I suppose there weren't any walls, but, you know, the company makes, makes the day, doesn't it? So. Hey, look, if, if catching fish was the barometer for a good time fishing, everyone would be miserable. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's not what it's all about. So, yeah. <laughs> I think we should get started with the show. Get, get, it's a jam-packed show. We've got, well, this show, we've got to go through our, our usual schedule to start the show. But the back half or the back end of the show, we're going to, uh, well, in the next couple of weeks, at the end of the season, sorry, we're going to name two of the tackles version of the All-NRL team. And we're also going to do an All-NRL Seconds team. So, this episode, we're going to talk about the backs and the, te- the players that are up for contention for our sides. And then next week, we're going to talk about the forwards, who's in contention for those positions. And then the week after that, we're going to essentially announce our teams for, for the... And it'll be a combined, so there'll be arguments. And that's what these next couple of shows are going to be. We're going to try and, uh, you know, work our way through these players and, and who we think should get uh, one or, you know, named in the first squad or named in the second. Well, it's what makes this game so great, Wiki, is those conversations you have with that stranger on the bus, the man at the pub, or, or your mates, and you're talking oh, about whether you think this bloke's the best or this bloke isn't. And very unique year where we didn't get that usual build-up in the middle about origin. But it's, I think it's a real shame that we don't actually have um, something like this in the NRL where, there's liter- where there actually is, this is the best 13 for the year and the second best. Those Dallium Awards are fucking shit. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> they're, they're rubbish. But, mate, I'm going to run it straight first. I'm going to go straight off the back because this, is, this, has been, oh, this has been firing me up since it happened. Yeah. And I, it's, look, it, it's not something that's uh, nuanced or different from probably a lot of people's opinion. The Sin Bin yesterday. Okay. For for the powder punch, rugby league has officially become a less physical, softer game than AFL. Some might think, as far as it comes to that kind of that confrontation between two men, you can get away with more in AFL than you can in NRL, and that's something that surprise you would be surprised to think of. You know, ten years ago, um, it was a complete overreaction from from the ref. Now I've seen this ref, Grant Atkins. He likes he's the kind of ref that likes to impose his will on the game. He wants the fans at home to know that he's there in the game and he likes to be one of the stars of the show. And to be honest, he might as well have put a blue and gold jersey on yesterday. Um, it was a rapid penalty count. Uh, there were set restarts all through the first half. And then in the second half, the game just slowed to a halt and he seemed to forget the six again rules. But even before that, it was already set, seemed like he wanted to make a decision. He, it's like he had money on Parramatta. Um, Chaz Tavunga has a fistful of Nathan Brown's jersey. He gets a facial. He gets maybe even a slight Liverpool kiss. He's on the ground 
like literally shoulders on the ground, gives a half-inch punch that wouldn't have been able to break through a paper bag, 10 in the bin. Parramatta scored two tries. Uh, I said it, I thought at the time, that's it, game over. Credit to the Warriors to fight their way back in the game and, and really make a contest of it. But yeah, it just really soured the game because it was fantastic, fantastic entertainment on a Sunday afternoon. Yeah, well, just, just on that, I think I think it was a it's a it's a bit of a stretch to say he had money on the Parramatta Eels. Of course, I'm it, speaking hyperbolic. It's saying that it's saying that sometimes I think Jazz Tavanga is starting to build a little bit of a reputation for himself, especially uh, it's, he was probably like this before that game against the Roosters, but it definitely has sort of put himself on the map. And that game against the Roosters, we, uh, and then ever since then, it's sort of been like he's been like a little firecracker, and and sometimes now this isn't as controversial as saying some of it, but I actually probably got to be be genuine here. I get a feeling sometimes referees they sort of take note of some of the players' behaviours and they carry that behaviour over into you know other games. Is it? Uh, is it a good thing? Probably not. But is it something that is avoidable? Definitely not. It's very difficult to be able to watch a player and then just completely eradicate that memory and not really take it into the next game. That's human nature. Human nature. So, um, Jazz Tavanga, he might have thought, well, if Jazz Tavanga thinks he's going to play up with me today, this afternoon, I'm not going to have a bar of it. And he probably over, you know, probably overreacted a little bit. Now, it's funny you say that you think Grant Eklund is the type of player that likes to impose his will on the game. One of the things that I find with him is he, he has a mini sponsorship with KFC and he does enjoy himself going up to the video ref. Absolutely, to check 800 things. Yeah, yeah, he wants to check it all. He doesn't want to be wrong. He doesn't want to be the centre of attention, but he's found himself in the centre of attention with this poor call. I just wish sometimes that Vossi could pick the referees because it'd be good to see Grant Atkins have a couple of weeks off. I don't want to see him in the finals. Give him the rest of the season off. We can say goodbye. I just, I just think it was just so easy to handle that situation where you... I feel like if you're going to sin bend someone for foul play, it has to be a significant thing to go, okay, this your team deserves to be one man short for 10 minutes. Um, and when you look at... Latrell Mitchell, we spoke about earlier in the year when he threw the cheap shot in at Josh Reynolds, stays on the field. Yeah. Jack Hetherington rips Martin DePau's head off. He's knocked out for the rest of the game. He gets 10 in the bin. Jazz Tafunga gives him a little powder punch and he gets 10 in the bin. And they're just two opposite ends of the spectrum. If you wanted to stop that, if you really wanted to go, I don't want anything more to come of this, put them both in the bin. It still would have been a stretch, but at least it's not unfair to both teams. And I just didn't deserve the worries to be disadvantaged. Again, I didn't see it. I just saw the little little uh, photos and stuff. What Nathan Brown did was a little bit worse than what Tavanga did. Like he's just, absolutely at, at 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 worst, he's pushing him. Like yeah, okay, it's close distance. It's a shove. It's a shove. Like he gets tackled. If that hands open, if that hands open, he shoves him in the face. We're not hearing the same thing from it. Yeah. Um. And you know, like you said, Brown's all over him. He's got his shot, and you can see why Jazz blew up because. Brown's in the um, got into the ground and then just dropped the shoulder all over his face and then almost dropped a suspect knee on his head afterwards. But look, it's done now. Uh, it's done now. What can I say? I, from a personal experience, I'm a little salty because I got a, I put a little piece on the Warriors to make the eight and it just made it a little bit harder. <laughs> Maybe yeah. Maybe, there you go. That's where the money was, wasn't it? <laughs> it was just, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. 
Um, just a quickly on a, on a Sidbit or a send-off, a little controversy around the Chad Townsend situation. Firstly, I thought that was the right decision. And I always refer it back to what would happen if Jared Whitey or Hargraves did that. And plain and simple, if Hargraves runs, it wasn't offside, so I'm not going to say, but if Hargraves jumps off, off the line, oh no, sorry, le- sorry, if Hargraves shoots up Jump out of the, the ground, line, leaps off the ground, gets his shot, doesn't even attempt to tackle, and shoulder charges a fullback in the head, there'll be no controversy. They won't need to have a replay. And it'll be like a flashback in time where the ref has just gone points yep. to the grandstand. It's and a, after the whistle. There's no, yeah, after the whistle. After the whistle. But you sort of can't stop Townsend there. He's already in the momentum. That almost could have been the reason why he sort of pulled out a tackle. You could almost give him the benefit of the doubt there. So I'm not going to say it was late, although it was late, which is what justified, which is what justified uh, Cummins' decision there. But the reality of it is, is he never intended on tackling him. He, sh- and he, he got him high. So it was a shoulder charge. And it wasn't just a, a shoulder charge where it was like a Dylan Napa type shoulder charge. That was a, like, he was fired out of a cabin. It, it uh, actually gave me memories of uh, Hopawade. Remember when uh, you... The elbow Keith Galloway? Galloway with the elbow, yeah. But he launched. Like, he had, he's just, I'm throwing everything. Yeah, so it wasn't Elba. So just that, that's my sort of take on that little send-off. That's not my run it straight, though. My run it straight this week is about... It was, it, was, it was all over in the Roosters and Raiders game where a player is tackled and then they get taken either into the end goals or they get taken over the sideline. Now, all, there's two things with this. The first thing is they were... They butchered a lot of them. They were butchered. So there was one time where Tupanua dragged um, the fullback Chant. into the goals. Yeah, Chant. yeah. So his first touch of him was to grab him. And in the same motion, he pulls him into the end goals. And that was deemed as he was a held player. Well, he wasn't held. He was on the ground and he grabs him. He's allowed to make a tackle at him, right? Now, why I say that wasn't fair is because the Bulldogs and Gold Coast Titans game, I'm not sure who it was. I think it might have been Lewis, but it was the... So Thompson kicks the ball over to the... Again, so Corey Thompson from the Titans ends up kicking the ball over to the other side of the field and it bounces around and Don ends up getting it and they tackle Don. Now, I can guarantee you there was a hand on Don when he was on the ground, but he got back up and ran and scored the try. Well, of course he could get back up. Just like everyone gets back up to play the ball. But there was a hand on him on the, on the ground. But we all know that he wasn't held. Mm. We all know. So what's the difference there to when Tupanua drags him into the end goal? There's no difference there. But also, also, uh, there was a time where I think it was Croker got tackled over to the sideline. So, okay. So firstly, I don't think that was, was uh, a right, was right. But he ends up getting tackled over. Okay, now let's say it was right. It wasn't right, but let's say it was right. So he gets tackled over. I don't understand why the penalty is on the sideline. It makes no fucking sense to me. So yeah. if if you get if you get a scrub, so I kick it out or I knock it on or whoever, the opposing team gets the scrub. Do they have to pack the scrub where I knocked it on? Not at all. They get options: ten mm-hmm. meters, twenty meters, or halfway. So it's the same sort of principle there where, okay, you've dragged this guy out. You can bring the ball in 10 metres 
you, and, and that, that also constitutes a kicking a goal as well because, well, don't drag him out. But it also allows the guy who's kicking for touch some angle mm. because essentially all you get is a tap otherwise, which, which I think they need to change that rule. But anyway, that's my run straight is tackling the guy to the sideline and then pushing him over. One, they got it wrong in the Roosters game. But, sorry, just in the, the rest of the fence, he was consistently poor for all of those decisions. Yeah. yeah. And that's what we asked for is consistency. Correct. But then, yeah. okay, you do the rule. If you get penalised there, the team who gets the penalty should be able to bring the ball in 10. Well, I do wonder in those instances where you see Tupanua in that Tupanua one where they drags him. Now, if we're, if the player, the defender comes across and instead of grabbing at the guy who's on the ground and dragging, if he comes and dives to the ground and drops his shoulder in a driving motion, then he takes his momentum over, then then that's kind of the same as when they sort of allow it to be dragged through. And this goes back to one of the rules in rugby league is that's a voluntary tackle and it's a penalty. Now, they never give it a penalty. They've just obviously decided that no you voluntary. can jump to the ground and you can just lay all over them. Um, yeah. But it's kind of a funny one like that. But also with that, why if you get dragged in, in goals or you get dragged out, the team gets penalised. But if the guy who's got the ball is held and then passes the ball, they've changed the rule that, oh, no, he can just play the ball again. Yeah, yeah, there's so, some weird inconsistencies going on. I could, cop, I could sort of cop them taking them out. But if you've, like, Tupanua's one where he pulls them back, where he pulls... Mate, you're lying there. You deserve to get dragged back into the end goal. But, okay, exactly right. right you, you don't get dragged into the end goal. Just play the ball again. Play the ball. No, 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 yeah. no, no, no. Just play the ball. Play the ball. Because yeah. it is one of those confusing situations. The players that try to smash him, they can't hear the referee because they're trying to smash him. Mm. And the referee apparently has told him he's held with when they've played footy their whole life and they're tackling this guy and they don't feel like he's held. Sorry. And the defender's just given up and dive to the ground. So yeah, yeah. Anyway. it's a weird one. I'd like to see some changes in that for yeah, sure. Anyway, we move from running it straight to front row tries. Before we go to front row tries, he's broken the duck. Oh, Blake Oh, no, yes, he has. Round of applause. Well done, Blakey. He, he, he wasn't passing, was he? As no. soon as he found some space, he had, he had two on the inside and one on the outside, but there was no way he was passing. Well, he bombed one earlier on, so he was happy to get that second chance again. He's like, whew, keeping the pants on at the end of the year. That's cool. Um, so well, he's got nothing stuff. to worry about in those states, I'm sure. Well, we had a yeah. um, couple yeah. of try scores from some perennial front row try scores this week. Yeah. Um, Big, big Tino for Saul Maliawi, once again. Um, you know, he's just, he loves sniff, sniffing out that trial line. If you're close to the line, he's going to go straight over. Um, and, and obviously, Sunday night, Francis Molo, I think that's three for him this year. Yeah. Uh, there was one more. I there found was. Josh Scott. No, sorry, not Josh Scott. Well, shout out to Josh Scott, by the way. Josh King. On Josh King, yes. Josh, Josh King. King. Correct. Yes. So, we have three front rows. Oh, Get Josh King, mate. Get the start yeah. onto the tackle. You'd be yeah, happy with that? Well done. Three tries. So, big boys, keep it up. We want to see plenty coming into, into the finals. It's a tight race for that top front row try scorer. So, Hamlin yeah, Ueli and Fasua Maliawi are both on five. So, who is it, sorry? Hamlin Ueli yep. and Fasua Maliawi, both on five. Okay, Josh Papali? Four. Four. Oh, he'll be disappointed. Maybe his season's over. No, well, reports today um, are not as bad as they think and potentially could play this week. That's good for Papa Lee. No, I think they might, they might rest him. They're playing the Dragons, so you know they probably don't need him. Um, 
They just want him as fresh for the finals. But pain management, basically. And that big fella looks like he can he, he can handle a bit of pain. Yep, yep. All right, now, we'll talk about more pain. Dummy file entrance. Now, uh, there weren't any entries, but we did have guy one on warning. We've got one guy on warning this week. From the Roosters, it's hard to do this one, but he, he deserves a warning for it. It was a shocker, but still only a warning. Uh, Fred Lussick. Freddie Lussick, the little young fella. Got to play full 80. You know, they, they didn't play, they didn't go with Jake Fred, so Lussick managed to get the full 80. Correct me if I'm wrong, though. When we first played the Raiders, did he play big minutes as well? Did Freddie not play the whole game against the Raiders? I should have looked. Uh, Freddie did not play the whole game, no. Yeah, I know he didn't play the whole game, but I think Lussick might have even played a bigger portion than he was expected. Did, did Freddie get injured or something? Hinder? No, no, that was recently. That was Well, that was last week. Well, last week, Freddie Lussick played 60 minutes, obviously. Oh. Or the week, two weeks ago, sorry, um, when we played and uh, he got the concussion. So... Um, I'm not sure with the Raiders, though. I don't think that was that was the case. Now, this isn't a W-file entrant. This is actually a clever play. Saliva Havili from the Raiders. It was late in the game. It was after Freddie Lussick's warning. Uh, now, some people may have thought it was a W-file entrant, but I don't think that was a W-file entrant at all. I actually think that was a very clever play. He got out of W-half. He was too close to the line to go himself. He has two front rows charging it at the Roosters. And... It was poorly timed. Whether it was him poorly timed getting out, whether it was a poorly timed run, whatever it was, he did not force the pass. Now, of course, he could have passed it out the back, but he didn't want to put pressure on that receiver either, so he just took the hitter. Now, that is not a dummy foul because I don't think his intention was to be greedy there. Agree. He, he sort of pulled a pass back, didn't give the dummy, sorry, didn't force the pass to avoid the dummy foul entry, and that's what I want to see. I'd rather you put your team first and risk getting a warning from us than force the pass so you don't get a warning from us and then turn the ball over. So good. Well, he didn't have the blinkers on, did he? No, he, the, the real dummy files, their, their eyes are only for that try. They get that white line fever and there you go. So yeah. uh, keep it up, boys. Look, you, you, I think you, you're very lucky. I think the boys are very lucky that you're being quite kind to them. You've dished a couple of warnings now. Um, but I think coming into finals footy, They've got to be on their best behaviour. Right, I will. Well, um, okay. Mate, they've only been one a week for the last couple of weeks. I'm happy to just give them a warning up until finals. Obviously, you want to play that game in finals football, you go straight in the fall. Simple as that. Now, of course, if we get a repeat offender next week who's already been given a warning or has Absolutely. already been in... Absolutely, mate. Very they're in the It's a warning for fun. You know, I'm not, just, I'm not spending hours and hours filling out the warning sheet to That's not it. put you in the fall, mate. Absolutely. If you receive the warning and you get up there again, you're straight in. Anyway, enough out of the dummy file. Uh, we've got a couple of matches in focus. We had a few this week. Uh, yep. Sharks and Knights, or Knights and the Sharks, whatever the game. Uh, it's a pretty much a one-way affair. Sharks are going to turn up. You know, with, all the, with everything on the line for the Sharks. Everything on the line. Mm. You know, I suppose the Sharks, what they have in their favour is, is the opposition need to rely on their results. So they need to be clean sheet, obviously. They need to win all their matches, but they also need them to lose. So that's the only yeah. thing that they've got on their mind. But, oh, sorry, to worry about. But the reality is you still have someone breathing down your neck. You have mm -hmm. a team in its seventh, sixth or seventh spot. You know, probably the easiest teams that you've got to face if you want to win the comp and you get you don't turn up. Yeah, they, yeah from start to finish, they were out, out, outclassed. And it sort of once again continued the trend of, Whenever they played a team 
um, in the eight. Um, they've been beaten and usually beaten quite well. Um, so they've now been flogged by the Knights, 38-10. They've been flogged by Penrith twice. Um, you know, Melbourne... Melbourne beat them comfortably early in the year, and I'm sure they're lucky they haven't had to play them um, on this back end of this uh, six-again stuff. Um, yeah, they've just been outclassed by all the classy teams. It obviously hurts not having Sean Johnson there because um, he's been pretty catalyst to him, but it, Sean Johnson doesn't make tackles for him. That's not what lost them the game. And They're leaking 25 points a game, and they're just putting themselves in coin flips, as Robert likes to say. So, it, it, look, whether they make the finals, you know, they probably will but you can't see him really doing anything other than literally just making the finals. Yeah. Um, they'll get towed up by anyone if they don't change some stuff real quick, smart. Yeah. Uh, but look, on a positive note for the Knights, it was great to see him, you know, get, get the ball rolling, really fire and, and sort of show that, I guess, the attack and a class of, of talent that they have in that team. Caelan Ponga, he was sensational. Uh, it was great to see him getting some tries and weaving his way through the line. I thought... Um, Pierce played well and not overplaying his hand, just kicked well, guided him around where he needed to, um, and the forwards just got the momentum. I mean, they had about 60% of the ball, so um, it would have been pretty disastrous if they weren't able to win from there. And then obviously playing against 12 men for the last 25 minutes. So, anyway, uh, we had another game on Friday night as well. It was the Storm beating the Rabbitohs. Go, you Storm. Go, you But it was a, good, it was a lot tighter affair than I actually thought. I did think that South Sydney were going to come out and they were going to, you know, put it, put everything into it. That's what Wayne Bennett does. He he does not cop a poor performance or not a poor performance. He does not cop a team beating themselves. Yeah, and really instills that into all the teams that he's, he's really coached. Really, uh, and the Rabbitohs actually did a lot better than I thought. I thought the Storm was going to be tight for a while, and then the Storm were going to break it, and then they're going to run away with it. But South didn't get broken. To be fair, they didn't win the game. They probably weren't necessarily on top for any part of the game, really. But... Oh, I wouldn't... I don't know. I wouldn't say they weren't on top. Okay. They were on... They they, I think, they were, I think they, they were on top and they sort of stayed up. You know, Melbourne had to wrestle it back. Yeah. Um, but you you definitely... You always had that feeling that Melbourne was going to come. Yeah, yeah. Um, what I meant by that was they didn't... Once it was too far out of their reach, it didn't seem to be like... Uh, like Melbourne, they were just going to give it to Melbourne, like let let them yeah. take charge for the rest of the game. That's sort of what I meant yeah. by yeah, yeah, I got you. Yeah, them staying in the fight. Uh, Adam Reynolds played alright, I suppose. Johnson was good for a winger, but I would much prefer him at fullback. Although you move him from fullback to, from wing to fullback, you lose your winger. Really yeah, exactly. Like, and he's, he's much better winger than fullback. Um, he's a much better fullback than the guy who filled in for Mitchell. Yeah, look, it was definitely a, it was an opportunity for him. Look, Melbourne Storm, they were missing a, a lot of key key guys in their forward pack. Um, obviously, no Fanukan, uh, no Asafa Solomona, uh, Brandon Smith, who's been really strong for him. Um, so they were they were missing some some punch in that middle, but they do have a lot of depth in their forwards. And look, the experience and class of guys like Cameron Smith, Ryan Pappenhausen, who it's kind of crazy to think that he's he's only twenty two and he's only he's played like thirty five games, like. He's just really coming to bursting towards that elite level uh, player in the competition. And yeah, Melbourne, they just too classy. They just grind their way back in. They're always going to keep coming. That try before halftime was massive. Massive. If South were going to win, um, they, they needed to go up uh, with that, that lead without that try. They really, need, they really needed to have a lead because Melbourne obviously aren't known 
uh, to chase points. They've always been like that. And South really needed that ten, about a 10-point buffer at halftime to go on with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, they miss Latrell, obviously, as you would expect, because he just adds that extra extra factor yeah. for them in the attack. But valiant effort from the forward pack. Such, such a change for them in the last six weeks for the Bunnies. Yeah, correct. At the beginning of the year, I thought that their pack wasn't, wasn't quite cut out. Their pack is definitely cut out for finals for the year. Maybe not the comp, but definitely finals for you. Right, and then on to the big one. Saturday night, it was a cracker of a game. A brilliant first half. If they repeated that in the second half, I don't think we'll ever see a better game. But obviously, it's hard to maintain that standard for 80 minutes for both sides. Uh, but it was fucking spectacular. Special mention, the two camera players. You know, Roos has got the win, but the two camera players that I want to talk about. Uh, George Williams, been fantastic for the Raiders all season long. I think yeah, I yeah. watched him play the, that game against Melbourne. And from that game on, I've always felt that he is... The style that he plays is... Uh, the, way that I, the way that I would explain John Bateman is it's, it's very replicatable for themselves. They can repeat that time and time again. Um, and it's just a high standard. It's not, it's not like... I, I always think back to 2009 where Jared Hayne and the Parramatta Eels performed so strong for the back half of that year. But I just would watch the style and just go, they can't repeat that. It's, it's, yeah. it's hard to repeat that. And sometimes players can be in form and being a yeah. form, but it's hard to replicate that sort of, that, that form or that, that, that style. Whereas yeah, get players, he can do that day in, day out. And he's been doing it day in, day out. But then the second thing, similar style, really, John Bateman. Johnny boy. Johnny boy. You know what he's like? He is like uh, a 5'8 that just plays in a channel. He just plays down that right edge. He might sort of wander on to the left-hand side of the field, but he's got the skills of a 5'8. He's got the, the, the force or the strength of a back rower. The he tackle's really good, but he's just the eyes-up type of football player. He is yep. the guy who plays in Grandbow's backyard. And that's what they're like up in the north of England. George Williams, a prime example, where they, they just play the footy that's in front of them. They don't really need to... They don't overcomplicate it. The coach, the best way to play them is not overcomplicated as a coach. Don't yeah. give them too much responsibility. Just allow them to make sure that they do their, do what they do best. Yeah, look, he, um, he's, a, he's a winner, isn't he? He's the kind of guy that he goes out there believing he's better than, the, than his opposite number. And generally, he's pretty, pretty right in that quite often. Um, and he plays like that, you know. He he plays bigger than he is, um, and yeah, like you said, he's got those those suki touches. He's a footy player. Yeah, he's a footy right. player, and you can really see from from the way Canberra were at the start of the year when he when Bateman wasn't there, you've really been able to see that impact. And the moment he's come back on, um, back into that side over these last this last month or so, he's been amazing. So it's going to be really sad for them to lose him next year. As much as uh, we might have, you know, shot him down a little bit for how he carried on over those negotiations. But the reality of it is he's an amazing football player. Um, so I would say maybe Kikau is probably the four, the best back row in the game at the moment. You know, but we've got the likes of Boyd Cordner, Wade Graham, Tyson Frizzell. Uh, I'm sure there's plenty of others. And forgive me if I've missed you. Oh, sorry, those, those two Warriors. We'll talk more about the back rows next week. But... What I'm getting at is there's no 11 or 12 in the game. And I'm going to say 13. They could have scored that try the other day. That's yeah. it. Like Peachy, maybe. That's it. Yeah. Peachy type of try. Yeah. They grab it for themselves. And it's sort of like... Uh, oh, sorry. That's what I want to get at. 
the way that the, the Raiders had a game plan with kicks, and that was one of the, that was the sort of one where they managed to score a try off it, where they allowed the Roosters players to sort of go up for the for the ball. Now Rapida yeah. went up, but Rapida went up to contest that because that was an attacking one. But the, all the rest sort of got in behind and were either yeah. waiting for the Roosters if they got the ball to make sure we tackled them, or two, wait for the back back and we'll get the regather. Because as soon as Rapida went up, you could have you saw I think he batted it back to Shards. I think Shards might have given it yeah. to Bateman. But Bateman was there waiting like God, yeah, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready, sort of yeah. situation. Then got the ball, then saw an opportunity and just pounced on that opportunity. But furthermore to that, when when we were kicking to them, they knew that our wingers like to contest that ball. So yeah. they were allowing them to contest the ball, then making the tackle, which yeah. actually allows them to get one extra tackle because they don't get tackled with the ball there on that spot. So say Kotrick goes up, he catches the ball, we tackle Kotrick and he goes down. That's yeah. And that's first. That's one tackle. So yeah. they were actually allowing... And then there was a point where I was going, no, fuck it. Stop catching the ball, let it bounce. And there were, I think it was a time where it might have bounced, like Tupo still went up for the ball, but it bounced and then it sort of went out and Tupo might have got another chance at it. But then... It actually almost worked the gate in our favour where, uh, fucking, I don't know, someone, I don't know, I just feel like they were letting us take the ball. Whereas, yeah, yeah actually it did. We ended up getting a repeat set off and where Shards almost had to go chase the ball because we didn't get there in time. Yeah. So letting, it, letting us take it, but we didn't get there in time. Yeah. And, it was and I was like, I told you, stop. They mind tricked them. Stop going they gave for them a mind trick. You know what I mean? Mm. We're just aggressive. We're very, very... We push, 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 push. See Joey Martin jump over the top of Croker to try and catch yeah. him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The knees on... I was like, you expect to see that in the at the MCG. Yeah, yeah. You know? Stadium. They're, um, it's a risky tactic uh, when you've got, you know, guys like the Roosters have in, you know, Tupu and Morris and Manu, obviously, who are fantastic under the high ball. Um, you know... It can work, but you've got a small margin of error. And yeah. well, when you see Big Bird in flight, like the try he scored, when he goes up for him, it's like, I mean, realistically, no one's really going to be able to contest with him. Well, that probably, so like when it's attacking, when it's going in for the try line, they've yeah. got to contest that. You've got to do it, of course. If the ones of that course. Are but I can when it's, yeah, you're yeah. right. You, you're probably going to lose that contest. So let him take it. Even against Brett Morris, you're probably going to lose that contest. So let him have it. And you can see they were letting them take it. So to to defuse that, let it fucking bounce. Go, you want it to bounce? Do you want to give everyone else a chance at the ball now? But anyway, I think the most the most promising sign for me from viewing um, was uh, the return of the Bondi Wall. Oh, beautiful, beautiful! It was you know it, you know obviously with all all these guys coming back, you know Crichton, great minutes in the middle. He's just been awesome this year. Um, you know, the big boys, Hargraves, Takiyahu leading from the front, but just the unity of the of that whole line. And look, it took one bit of John Bateman brilliance to get their one and only try. You yep. know, it was a very Roosters type win, 18 6. Yep. And a very Trent Robinson like response of, yeah, it was okay. Oh, we did what we needed to do. I want to see more. But it, so, right, he's right because he said that before. I think it might have been against Gold Coast or it was a couple of weeks ago. Against the Tigers. Where... Against the Tigers. No, 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 no. Was it the Tigers? Yeah, the Tigers. Sure. He, he, he had the, a similar, similar sort of comments. Were the Gold Coast Titans? 
No, with the Tigers, with the, with the West Tigers. But he said that uh, I just wanted to see them finish it. No, it was the Titans, bro. It was the Titans. Yeah. Okay. The Tigers as well. But there was the opportunities for us to close out the game, win the game, and we didn't do it. He's like talking about how Joe Martin needs to turn a, an eight into a 10 or whatever. And it's not necessarily for me, I don't really know the ratings of all the players. So I'm not, I'm not going to go into the depths of this player needed to turn his seven into a 10 or his, his five into a six or whatever. I'm not talking about that. But what I am talking about is, you know, Kiri goes to the field goal, we missed the field goal. Okay, that was our opportunity to ask the game. Okay, we missed it. We missed the opportunity to ask the game. But that's where it is. It's like we haven't been icing our games yet. Yeah. But that's where that's how I felt when I sort of like he would have a better understanding of the ratings of the of the performance. For sure. But for me, for sure. I, I see where he's coming from. It's like we haven't iced the game yet. Even you know against Melbourne, we didn't ice the game against Melbourne. We ended up having going extra time. And we ended up and losing because of it. Yeah. yeah. So, so just trying to find that, still searching for that complete performance, yeah. and obviously trying to continue to improve, but. It's always positive when you're getting all the troops back. And I, I think, you know, coming into next week, it's, we've just got Mitch Orbison to come back. And, and I think that's it. And Jake Friend, obviously, from concussion, um, outside of the guys who are done for the season. So now you're going to start looking at who's going to miss out on the bench, you know? It looks like Sonny. Sonny ain't missing out. Well, okay, he's not missing out, but, but who misses out then? Butcher? Yeah, I don't know. So that's a tough question. Oh. Um, that's why we that's why we got Trent Robinson to make those kind of calls. True, true. Um, we're talking about, but we, we, we could talk about the Roosters forever, and we will on another day. But we 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 got to have to try because we've got a lot to talk about. We want to talk about the the backs. Yeah. This is another difficult decision, a little bit like Robbo's. Uh, we'll yep. start. You know what we're going to do is we're going to go through the fullback, the wingers, the centers, and then the five eight and a half back. Yeah. Yep, we'll go. We'll start off with the with the fullbacks. Uh, who would you have so far? Give us one. Yes, give us one name. Two names. Well, look, I'll, I'll give you two. All right, I'll give you two names. One of this guy's the best player in the game. Look, James Tedesco. If you needed yeah. any reminding on the weekend, um, speaks for himself, doesn't he? He speaks for himself. Yeah, and it's funny when you hear comments in the, uh, a few weeks ago. People saying, "Oh, he's been a bit quiet. You know, hasn't quite been himself." Like, I mean, I think he's had five tries since against the Broncos. He's, just to give some justification to everyone, I'm going to read read some numbers. James yeah, today. Not too many numbers though, because sometimes I, I get lost in your in your eyes. No, that's all right. So he, so far this year, he has seven tries, twelve try assists, eleven line breaks, eighteen line break assists. That's first in the comp. Hundred and twenty tackle breaks. So eight eight a game. He had 15 on the weekend and 230 metres every single game. So he's leading the comp in metres, in tackle breaks, in line break assists. He's, he has, he's improved, you know, and he was amazing last year and he's better. Um, so, you know, he speaks for himself. It's and sensational. How and how old is he? And he's, he's 20, Tedesco's 27. Okay. I, yep. believe. I believe he's 27, maybe turning 28 this year, I think. Sure. So, um, matching, he might, he's still actually only been 27. Which is, you know, it's it, it's scary for opposition. Um, the the other guy I want to mention is uh, is uh, Clint Gutherson. He's been a fantastic leader for his side. Uh, obviously, burst out of the gates with like Parramatta did um, early in the year, and they've had, you know, they've been a bit more patchy um, over the last couple of months. But Gutho hasn't been patchy. 
Uh, he He's heart and soul, that team. So far, five tries for Gutho, 13 try assists, seven line breaks, 14 line break assists, and he's given you 200-plus metres a game and, and almost three tackle breaks a game. So no one can compare to Teddy tackle break numbers, but Gutho's been everything. You know, he always gives 100%. He's got a massive workload, and he's got a good, good amount of creativity with him with that side and just does that, those typical fullback things like supporting and always being there for those, those open opportunities. So he's really improved this year, Gutho. And um, from memory, he was, he was right up in it amongst the, the Dallium contenders. Um, when the when the voting went behind closed doors, and I'm sure he'll be in the mix, but perhaps Parramatta's patchy form of late may make you know may make it a little bit more of a grind and a bit tougher for him. But he's been sensational this year. Uh, I'm sure you could agree with that. Yeah. Now, I, um, people that I, I'm a big fan of Caleb Ponga. I'd say Caleb Ponga. Uh, it's pretty. A lot of these fullbacks sort of speak for themselves. You know, they're they're, they're one of the marquee players. They're definitely a marquee signing. And if you're not a marquee signing as a fullback. You know, if you're in this conversation that we're having, the team of the year, you, you tend to be, you know, soon to be getting an upgrade on your contract. So, Caleb Ponga, he's already got the upgrade on his contract. Adam O'Brien, we all see the pretty stuff. And I notice the pretty stuff. But I don't necessarily notice the, the tough stuff that Adam O'Brien sort of spoke about recently, about how it's not the first time he's been targeted. And it's not about... You know, you want to, all players, all the good players, especially the smaller ones, they always get targeted. What's difficult to accept as fans and definitely as coaches and, and teammates is the grubbiness. And I'm not calling Chad Townsend a grub at all. Do I think he intended on trying to hurt uh, Ponga? No. Do I think he tried to go high on Ponga? No. But that mentality of knowing that you have to bash this guy, sometimes yeah. you got to, you know, for him to sort of just get back up for me to not notice how bad he gets shows how resilient he actually is. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. For, him to, for us to not see that it happens to him all the time just means that he's getting back up and not making a big deal of it. And in the, in the post-match, like any true footballer, no, nah, no, nah, he didn't get me high. He didn't get me high. But he got him high, man. He, you're, you're the same height, and he was three feet in the air. Yeah. You know, he wasn't parallel. Yeah. He wasn't parallel to the ground. So, but, you know, it is what it is. I suppose he's obviously in the conversation for fullback of the year. Uh, Ryan Pappenhausen's another member. Do you got, have you got numbers for these guys? Sorry, I don't have numbers. I do, I do. I do. I can tell you, Kalen Ponga this year, he's, he's uh, nine tries and 11 try assists. Uh, he's giving 195 plus metres a game. And he's got 13 line breaks to go with uh, a 12 line break assist as well. So his defense has been really improved this year, I think, as well. I mean, it's a tough position fullback to defend. You know, people always go, oh, he missed his tackle and missed that tackle. Quite often, fullback's got to deal with three blokes running at him. Yeah. Um, he's got to decide. So he, he, look, there's always a spotlight on Ponga. So he's been great. Yeah. Um, well, and I've got some numbers for, for the happy Rob Pappenhausen, last year, was the third choice fullback for the Storm. Scott Drinkwater early, was it Scott or Josh? One of them. Drinkwater gets injured early in the season, so then they go with Jerome Hughes. Jerome Hughes ends up getting moved to halfback, so then they go with Pappenhausen. And the minute that we saw Pappenhausen, I got him straight into my super coach side. I just knew he had speed to boot. But since that game, and I think it might have been, there's an article, I'm not sure who wrote it, wrote it, could be on Fox Sports, could be in the Herald, uh, where Billy, Billy Slater, you know, it was Mick Ennis, 
Luis Sad has actually started to build this this spa back up. And that's probably that's better than being able to do it yourself than when you can teach someone else to replicate you. Yeah. So, because then you can you can just you know rinse and repeat really. And Pappenhausen, I'm not saying he's Billy Slater. Let's say he even does the same things as Billy Slater, but he is putting up performances that is putting him in the conversation that he's 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 now in the same room. If you ask me, he's at the same table as James Tedesco, Caleb Ponga, Tom Trebojevic. Because, one, the Melbourne Storm are winning, but two, he is contributing to their success. Yeah, he's also, he's showing he's a lot more than just speed, too. Yeah, um, yeah. He's got a lot of skill and talent. He's got a pretty pretty handy kicking game in him, both long and short. I mean, he kicked the field goal from the, against the Roosters earlier in the year. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, he's 22. Yeah. Well, have you got numbers for him, please? I do, I do. So, so little Pappy, he's got uh, seven tries, ten try assists. 11, 11 line breaks and 10 line break assists, 65 tackle breaks, so good for four a game. That's outstanding. And 190 metres a game. So he's got that workhorse in him as well. He's always giving you plenty of metres. And he's, obviously, he's so good for a highlight reel, of course. But also, you know, Tedesco's big, you know. Gutherson, big. With Pappenhausen, okay, he's making, you know, around that 200 mark, but he's not big. Now, what, what I mean by big is it's a lot harder for him to penetrate and, and cause a lot of damage right off the ruck. Yeah. Whereas not many fullbacks do do that right off the ruck, but Tedesco, he, he has a bit more size where he can sort of uh, handle the attrition there. Yeah. yeah, he's a pinball. But look, speed is power. Speed, speed is power. power. Yeah, I've got a couple of other special mentions. I'm sure you've got some special mentions. But Matt Dufty, I felt he sort of turned the the fortune for the Dragons. Now, the Dragons aren't in the top eight, but at the beginning of the year, they were they looked like a football team that shouldn't be playing NRL. Once he got injected back into the game, they managed to sort of work a few jigsaw puzzle pieces out. But Matt Dufty, I thought he's been pretty good this year. Absolutely. Else? Uh, look, Latrell Mitchell, special mention to Latrell. He's... You know, we've noticed obviously a big loss that he is now that he's injured for South. He he's a very different style of fullback to these other guys that we've mentioned. You know, he doesn't have the same kind of. He's not going to run for two hundred meters a game. He's not that kind of workhorse. Yep. But he's he's like a big second five eight at the back, and he's just vital to their attack. I've got some some numbers for for Latrell. Uh, he hasn't got over the stripe as much as he normally does. Four tries this year, but eleven try assists, eighteen line break assists. And as always, breaking tackles, fifty-seven tackle breaks, and that's with that's probably with less runs as well. He's only given he's only one hundred and seven meters a game, um, but I expect those numbers still to increase. You know, they give him another two years in this fullback role. Yeah, you know, he's going to be a real force to reckon with. So, yeah, real shame that he's not going to be part of finals footy this year, but plenty to look forward to for South fans. Absolutely. So, yeah, some great fullbacks, some fantastic fullbacks. Yeah, I'm sure there's more fullbacks that we've missed, but I'd say if they're the ones that are top of our mind, they're probably the ones that are in contention for winning our all in our old team for this year. Positions in it. And we've got to do two as well. So we're going to do a first team and then a second team, similar to what they do in the NBA. Do they have yeah. a third? We're not doing a third team. Yeah they, yeah, they have a third, but they have 30 teams. So they do three teams first team, second team, third team um, uh, for the NBA. So it's kind of the way I see it, we, we're sort of selecting the top. Top ten percent of the league, you know, rewarding the top ten percent at the end, which is more or less the same for for the. the but also basketball, there's only five positions, so it's a hell of a lot easier to make three teams. Yes, yes, yeah. correct. 
All right, so we'll move on to our wingers now. So this is the two and the five. So each team will get two positions, believe it or not, if you can count. Anyway, so I'm going to lead off here. I've got, uh, and I hope you've got these numbers because we haven't discussed these players. Oh, yes, we have. Yes, we have. I've got yeah, we have. Uh, David Nufaluba. Nufaluba yep. is who I'd like to uh, put forward. And then I'd also like to put forward Josh Mansour, the source from Penrith. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, both. He's leading the, the tri-scoring uh, tri tally. He scored a hat-trick on the weekend. Um, you know, Freddie mentioned a couple of things on the, on the you know, two sides, both sides of the ball for wingers. Uh, but the reality of it is he's been the fourth player for the Tigers all season long. It was mm -hmm. a shock he got dropped last year. Pretty much every single game that he's played for the Tigers, it's, he's always, you know, been up there with the meters, been up there with tackle busts. Uh, and so I've always found he's always performed well at first grade. And and I don't think, you know, really this year is when he started to get a lot of the rewards there, really. Yeah, he's, he's always been one of the best. You know, as you said, 17, 17 tries for him this year, leading the, leading the try count. So by three with, uh, with three games to go, that could be his gong. Um, so that's always a gong you want to get as a winger. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm sure I would know. I've never been a winger. I didn't get many tries in my career. Um, five tries. Five try assists. So, look, try assists are very rare for wingers. They're not usually great at passing the ball. So, that's that's fantastic. 17 line breaks. Look, that's mostly tries. Would you say a bit of a bat back? Would you say he's got... Yeah, yeah a little bat back, exactly. Um, this is the one why he's he's performed... Why one of the best parts of Nofalima's game, the tackle breaks. He's up there with Teddy. 114 tackle breaks. He's seven a game. He's a little pinball. You know, he's, he's really hard to bring down. And, and 187 metres a game. So, he's a workhorse. He's always, every week, he's been the best three players for the Tigers. Every week. Yeah, exactly. Would you say he is like a Sam Perry, in a way? Where he's, he's always fighting his front. He's hard to contain. Stocky. Um, kind of stocky as well, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Oh, I think that's a, that's a great comparison. Yeah, have he's a bit got, hard. Have you got uh, some numbers for Josh Mansour for me, please? Of course, the source. Seven tries for the source this year. Um, he's looking, looking the best he has since he's come back from those injuries. Because Crichton, he doesn't pass it. Crichton's keeping well, all his tries. Four tries. This, he still managed to throw a few back on the inside for a four few brothers, of his teammates. Um, 15 line breaks for Mansour to go with his seven tries. So he's creating opportunities. 51 tackle breaks and 180 metres a game. So these two wingers are, are some of the biggest metre readers um, in the comp. You know, they're out there doing the hard yards of work with their fullbacks and, and really getting their sides on the on the front foot, which is an integral part for a winger's game in the modern game. You have to do it. You've got to do those hard, hard hit-ups. Yeah, yeah. So um, they're, 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 like, helping us out because, you know, we, we it's about time that we can start helping us front rows out, you know. We give them opportunities to score trials. Now, it's about time they showed us a little love and, you know, took a couple of hit-ups here and there. Anyway, thank you. Uh, who are your two wingers that you, you know... Mate, I'll throw a couple up. I, I, I'm obviously going to throw up, you know, I've said this guy about this guy earlier in the year. I called him probably one of the best players in the comp, and that's Brett Morris. Yep. Um, you know, phenomenal. 12 tries for him this year. Uh, five try assists, line breaks, 15. You know, uh, nearly three tackle breaks a game and 140 metres. And it's what he does in defence too. His defensive um, kick defusals, is one of the best in the game. Like, when you kick to Brett Morris's wing, there's not many um, that you're going to get past him. He's just so good in those little effort areas. And he just has all those classy bits and finishing. And he's so strong as well. He's, so, uh, I think, surprisingly strong when you, you, you sort of see what he's capable of, and especially 35 years of age. So he's been phenomenal this year. Um, 
Sione Katoa, I'd like to throw up a, a reference yeah. to Sione. He's been great for the Sharks. He's been, he's been the point man for Sean Johnson. Plenty of kicks to him and plenty of big cutouts. Uh, 14 tries for Katoa this year. Um, and another guy who's hard to tackle. 70 tackle breaks and nearly five a game and 140 metres per game. So he, he's been great. You know, um, the Sharks attacks in the top four in the comp. Uh, unfortunately, the defence is in the bottom four. So that's why um, they're sitting in that mid-table. But they, they'd probably be sitting around 12th if it wasn't for, for guys like uh, Katoa out there. So new, new, new career for him too and plenty of promise for him. Yep. Uh, I've got Nick Kotrick, a special match for Nick Kotrick and uh, Mike Siva. We've also got Josh Adokar, who's yep. been fantastic for the... For the store, John Tanaka's been been awesome. I think he's he's been one that, one of the, he was a bit slow to start. It felt, but yeah, he's been busting out of the gates. Nothing beats speed. You know, twelve tries for him this year. Another guy's hard to tackle. Uh, one hundred thirty plus running meters. Um, yeah, he's sensational. Nick Kotrick, he you know looking for for to move into the centers next year, but one of the best wingers going around. Well, just um, thinking about that, I said at the beginning of the year now. I'm not a, I, don't, I don't really rate Curtis Scott, and I'm not trying to bag him at any means, but I, I don't consider him as good as Jordan Rapata, Rapata. And it was cool to see Rapata play centre on the weekend because I think he's a good centre. I think he's yeah. done. I think he's got a lot. The thing with wing, you feel like you get a little bit more freedom at wing. But he was good at centre on the weekend. Uh, defensively, he wasn't too bad either. And... He's got a good pass in him. He's good at creating opportunities for his other guys as well. When you say Kotrick wants to move it to the centres, do you think that's where he'll play at the Bulldogs? Well, that's 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 where the, the way they talk about it. I mean, it's funny, you know, I, like five years ago, it was obviously all the rage that, you know, naturally you, you'd have your winger who might start out on the wing and then as they, you know, earn their stripes, they get to move into centre. Um, but the way they are now, sometimes... Some, a lot of wingers are more important than centers outside of the really, really classy centers. Yeah. You know, so what they can do from the wing, you move them into center and they, they can also, they can almost lose a few of those elements of what makes them great. Yeah. So True. we'll see. We'll see. Um, you know, um, I, I'd, I mean, for that Bulldog side, you know, for a guy like him to come in, he'd probably play where he wants to play. Yeah. Right. We'll move on to our centers now. Three and four, who you got? All right. A couple of, couple of great contenders for centers this year. Um, Joey Manu, of course. I'm, I'm got, I can't not talk about centre and not talk about who I believe the best centre in the game is. Um, this guy's sensational. You know, so much silk and class. That The way he runs and holds the ball. At first, he used to make me nervous when he'd grab it in one hand and run at three defenders and stick a fend out. But honestly, like, if that was my baby, I'd be confident with it. Joey Manu could hold my baby with that while he crossed a, while he tightrope over the, the Sydney Harbour Bridge, to be honest. How would, um, he, just how would, he, big how would he hold the baby? Like, on the chest or on the, on the skull? How Honestly, he... however he wants, because he's, he's not dropping it. He will not drop it. Um, six tries for Manu, four try assists, line breaks, line break assists, 64 tackle breaks. He's giving you 100 plus metres. And, you know, he's, you know, very good defensively as well, and and obviously a target for for um, the opposition for the sorry for the kickers um, when they got for the high ball or those those little kicks too. So sensational by Joey Manu, and um, look Stephen Crichton, he's been fantastic. You know, nineteen years of age, he's got that giraffe about him. Uh, you know, he's six foot four, he's big tall fella, fourteen tries this year, um, nearly three tackle breaks a game, and one hundred and fifteen meters that lethal 
lethal Penrith left edge. I mean, obviously, it's dangerous when you've got Kikau inside you and then and then you pop into Crichton and then, you know, um, weapons on the wing as well. And meanwhile, Clear is just orchestrating where he wants it to go. So he's been real key. And, and oh, just definitely... mate, Luai's doing a thing or two out there as well, but we'll, oh, get, to that. we'll get to that. Absolutely. absolutely. So he, look, he's got, he's a future origin player without a doubt, Stephen Crichton. It's not, it's not if, it's when. I could see him playing fullback as well, actually. Yeah, um, yeah I think he is a fullback. You know, maybe he's not too much responsibility to start his career, but eventually uh, if they get a few more outside backs, you know, coming through the ranks, I could see him moving back to fullback. Well, for me, my centres are, well, my centres, but the two that I'm liking at the moment are Katoni Staggs, you know, just that, that individual brilliance that he's got. I think it was two weeks in a row where he's just manhandled his opposition opposing centre mm-hmm. and he just scores these individual tries. And, and that's the type of league that Greg Inglis is in. You know, that's yeah, in a struggling team as well. The Latrell Mitchell, where he just like you give that guy the football, and he'll do the rest of it. And yeah. it's just you know whoever gets in front of him. So if you're in the wrong place at the wrong time, you're gonna end up on the floor. And he's, he's one on one battle scoring ability. He's got that rugby league smarts. He kicks goals. Like the fact that he kicks goals is just an example of him being the guy who just did everything when he was growing up. Yeah, yeah. He's just always the best player in his footy team. Yeah, yeah. And then to see him kick goals, you just think, of course he kicks goals. He's just good at everything. So yeah. he could end up playing fullback or more, maybe not fullback, but I could actually see him being a little bit like Greg Inglis in a way where he might even end up playing 5'8". Yeah. Where, where he's just, you know, give him the ball. He run, like Jack Wyden, actually. Like Jack Wyden. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, no, it's um, it, especially always harder when, when you're in a struggling team to be able to impact the way he does. But yeah, he's definitely a guy you get early ball and get him in a one-on-one contest because he's tough. Tough yeah. to handle. And the other guy uh, played fantastic. He scored a hat trick the other week and he scored on Friday night. Justin Olam. Is it Justin or Jacob? I think it's Justin. Justin Olam. Guy from Justin PNG. Olam. And he's just, yeah. you know, I think he came onto the scene last year, was it? Yeah. And he's just maintained the standard the entire time. You yeah, know, he's, he's made iron. He's been strong. He's hard to handle offensively. He's sound defensively. Um, and yeah, I just think he's been playing brilliant football for a long, long period of time. And he's playing good football this year as well. And also, you know, we talk about how Melbourne has sort of dropped off a little bit. This year, they have not dropped off. They are the Melbourne storm that we've always known them to be. Yeah, they're raging. Yeah. And he's, he's really making a, a great little combination there with that O'Carr. Um, he... Uh, uh, doesn't seem to pass the ball to him uh, enough. Um, he hasn't been able to, to scout many tries, this old Justin. But why would you when, you when you're made of granite like him? He yeah. seems like a guy I would not like to tackle, Justin Olam. Um, yeah. um, we've got a couple more guys I want to mention in yeah. the centres. Obviously, centres like wings. We've got two of them in each team. So, uh, Peter Hiku. Yeah, Peter Hiku. He's, He's been, been awesome. Uh, he he felt like at the very start of the year, almost last year, he sort of he dropped off the radar a little bit to what he was. I remember when he burst on for Manly in 2013 and yeah. he hadn't been able to find that consistency in his form, but he's been a killer out there on that edge for him. You know, he's scoring tries, setting up tries. He got a hat trick about a month or so ago. Um, you know, 120 plus running meters every game. He's just lethal. He's just that silky, skillful um, player that you want in your side. Yeah, you know, um, you remember to, uh, Vince talking about his mate Noxie in tennis? Yep. Yeah, he says he's a great tennis player. He goes, he's a better natural tennis player than Leighton Hewitt. And I go, no. He goes, no, I'm serious. And I always think of, I always think of Noxie when I see Peter Hickey because he yeah. said, what Vince said, he goes, if 
Lighted Hewer and his mate Noxie, I think his name's Glenn, Noxie didn't pick up a tennis racket for five years. And then they picked up a tennis racket. Noxie would win the tennis match if they played against yeah. him. Like, no, no, he goes, I'm telling you. They didn't pick up a tennis racket for five years. And then they played a game, Noxie would win. That's what Peter Hickey was to me. Is if no one plays footy, in the current NRL, Peter Hickey would be the best on the field. He's yeah, just he's better than you football. He always, I think he pushes a little bit too much, but that's what you get. That's what you have to put up with to get all the other stuff that he goes with. Yeah. He's another one with those great little offloads. I think, was it uh, last week against the, um, the Knights? Oh, okay. He threw a, a cutout flick pass. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, would, it went about 15 metres, like, yeah, yeah. and it was on the chest, you know, for a try. That was phenomenal. Give him a piece. Phenomenal. Pierce, I used to play with his brother Troy. Shout out to Troy, he's one of our avid listeners. But Pierce, we used to pass the ball around just before footy training or a footy game. And Pierce used to do this little flick pass that would like come at you. And yeah. we all used to try and do it because Pierce was a gun. So if he was doing it, everyone should be doing it. I remember saying to Tom, you know, look at this. And Tom would say, what's the point of that pass? I mean, are you ever going to use that pass? But, you know, I finally saw it. It was Ben Hickey. <laughs> I was like, there's, there's the pass. There it is. He's got those revolutions, mate. Mate, uh, the goat, Gary the goat, Nathan Lyon, would be very proud of the revolutions yeah. that Peter Hickley would have got on that. He Maybe he's got some off-speed career late, late after his football career. But Campbell Graham as well. He's been playing. I was going to say, I was going to mention Campbell Graham. I was going to say him. Yeah, Campbell Graham. He's great, mate. He's, mate, 140 metres a game, which is massive for a centre. Yeah. Um, 10 line breaks, nine tries. He's a big boy too. Very tall. Um, quite strong, and he's just improved out of sight this year. And you know what? Um, exactly. That's the exact word. He's improved out of sight. Now, the thing for Campbell Graham is he come on to first grade as a winger. Now, as you grow up through the ranks and you come through and you play as centre as a fullback, when you come into grade, you probably go start off out on the wing. He's done his apprenticeship on the wing, and the moment that he got put to centre and he played well there, everyone knew that's his position. And he's just kept it ever since. Not kept yeah. it, but he's actually kept, not only has he kept the position, but he's actually kept the standard of Okay, yeah, yeah, you, you are our centre. And he's been playing well all year. And as he's replaced uh, James Roberts, essentially, in that centre role. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah, so, look, once again, the story of rugby league, when, um, uh, when a player gets injured, there's always an opportunity there for someone else. And that's when we get to see, um, you know, this, these, these bright lights. Yeah. These shining bright lights of these young stars. So, yeah. one, one more goal I'll mention before we move into the, you know, their key playmakers. Look, we talked about his brother, Josh Morris. You know, he's, he's all class. Um, he's killing it again. He never looked better. I haven't seen him play this well. For, like a fine wine. It's five years. Yeah, like a fine wine. Ten line breaks, seven tries, you know. It's 100 plus metres every game. Uh, and one of the best defensive centres in the game. Like He's going to lock up his opposite number every yeah. single week. Now, um, Robert, the thing with them is they actually... Robert talks about how there's the rooster way. And, you know, like, as fans or as, a, as an organisation, everyone likes to have a standard. They all like to keep the standard. Now, Brett Morris rocked up last year and instantly started playing, in inverted commas, if you're listening, the rooster's way. But that was how they played. Josh Morris the same. It's not that he has adopted necessarily the rooster's way. It is... The, the way that Josh Morris plays is a high standard of football. Now, when the Morris brothers weren't playing, we may have been getting away with wins or we might have lost a couple of games or whatever, but you could tell we were missing their energy. Yeah. Just all the work that they do. There was one time 
One set against the Raiders where Brett Morris gets the ball from the end goals. He takes the tap, gets that zero tackle. Next one, Daniel Tupo gets the next play. Well, that's the first tackle. Then the next one, James Tedesco is looking for a man and he finds Josh Morris charging into a hole and he's doing the second tackle on Canberra Raiders' 30-meter line. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Now, you very you don't see, like I'm not knocking Steve Kreider, but it just shows he's just coming into the game. Mm. Steve Kreider doesn't do that. Katoni yeah. doesn't do that. So, and I'm not knocking them. They've had fantastic years, but you know, Josh Morris might not be able to do what Katoni Staggs does in Steamroller's opposition number, but he's got to be there pushing up on all the plays, whether it's from the back fence to the trial line, he's got to be there. And that's that's why he's so good for so long. Yeah. He's got such a high standard. It's that experience and goal that he shows in, in finding as many ways possible to impact a game of football. That's it. That's it. You know, he as many ways as he can. And I, any young player, any young centre um, or outside back in the game, should look to those boys, those Morris twins, to see how he can impact the game. Because if you just try and stand out there in the centres or on the wing and wait for things to happen, sometimes you might catch a cold. And that's where, that's where you get those players that go in and out. Because... Their their uh, their performances are are running to the whim of other players and game situations, and these guys don't wait. They go they go straight at it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. All right, so we'll move on to the the five eights, the number sixes. Uh, who you got? Uh, look, I'm oh, look. I'll start off. I oh, look. You know what? I'll, I'll I'm going to go with uh, Jack Whiten. Yep. He's he's been look. He's he obviously had a breakout year last year. Um, their attack hasn't been able to to gel all year, but he's all Jack White has always been a massive part of of Canberra and what what they do. He's really grown into that sixth role. Um, loves a try as well. He's got eight tries this year, Jack White. You know he's a big body. Uh, he's hard to handle, and his kicking game has just improved so much. You know, I remember last year. You'd, he'd have games where he'd have a great impact on the kick and then other games where you'd see him kick a few out in the full. And I think we might have, you and I might have even spoken about it coming into the grand final. And I sort of jokingly, half joking, half not joking, as with a bit of Roos's arrogance, like, I hope Jack White's kicking all night, yeah. you know, because, you know, he just wasn't able to find it right. And then he had the most unbelievable kicking game in that grand final. It was just on point. But and, you, know, you know what his kicking game reminds me of? Do you remember when we used to play Shane Ward cricket? And yep. you'd have like Glenn McGrath hit bowl, and you'd have his little circle, and his circle was really small, so you could pretty much put it exactly where you wanted to put it. Yeah, yeah. Whereas Jack Wyden, his one was like those those all rounders, you know. So yeah. the circle was a little bit bigger. Yeah, you got a dessert plate. You got a little dessert plate. Yeah, most of the time it would go where you wanted, but every now and then it just wouldn't <laughs> go where you wanted to go. Yeah. So that's how, yeah. that's how when I think see Jack White kicking and I see him kicking out of the floor, I go, oh, that's that big circle on Shane Wall cricket again. So yeah, that's, yeah. that's what I think he's kicking. He definitely can kick, but he's just got a bigger circle than. than yeah, he's re- he's really refined that this year. Um, and look, the other guy, look, you could you could probably put this guy under um either the halfback or five eight, but he's primarily been brought to this team to play six, and that's Sean Johnson. Fantastic. Um, Hey, what a, what a year from him, you know. Um, a lot of criticism early in the year about the rocks and diamonds nature of, of of Sean Johnson and his career. And look, to be honest, all completely fair. You know, we know how amazing Sean Johnson could be, um, but there are also times when he wasn't able to make the, those right decisions often enough. But he's leading the comp and try assists. And again, we've seen 
that impact that a player has on a team, you really notice him when he's not there. Yeah. Um, and the Sharks have really looked right. Who would have thought he's that they really Sean Johnson was going to be missed for that that guidance that he gives around that park and not just that lethal footwork and running game that he has. But 20 tries this this year, um, 16 forced dropouts as well. So you know every game he's, he's put giving his team extra extra sets, um, and he's still got that running game. He's still he's still running 80 plus meters a game. So uh, he he'll he'll go close to being get that top, that gong of Dalian player of the year. He'll be in the mix anyway. Um, and the Sharks will need him back quick smart. Otherwise, they could be tumbling out of the eight. Yeah, well, uh, I don't know if this guy's got a winner position in our top team, but I just want to give him a special mention. Kurt Mann. Kurt Mann was, you know, oh. Mr. Fixit or the tweener type of position. No one really knew where he was supposed to play. I think we may have even had a little chat about Kurt Mann earlier this year. He was given the sixth position um, you know, at the start of the year. And he took it by the took it uh, by the scruff. The, yeah, by the scruff of the neck, so to speak. Sorry for the lack of uh, language there. Uh, but yeah, he's been performing excellent. He got moved into nine. He, he we haven't able to see him, you know, get as many highlights as he was when he was playing at five eight. So that's probably why he'll miss out on winning the five eight of the year because he's actually ended up having to play hooker for the remainder of the year. But you could still see why he was, uh, you know, an integral part of the Newcastle Knights' performances. Is he was, you know, had plenty of energy. He found a lot of confidence this year. Even his transition that confidence into the nine. Remember last year, he probably always had the confidence. But you know, they moved him from five eight. Then the next week he'd be playing fullback. Then the next week he'd be playing hooker. Then the next week he'd be playing centre. Then he'd be coming off the bench. Then he'd be back in the starting side. And so. It was probably hard for him to find a rhythm. But now that he's found a rhythm, now they've moved, they've moved his position and he's still pulling out, you know, he's still being, setting a higher standard and, and he's still playing well. Like there was one try. He's, impact, he's impacting the game and he's impacting winning. And, you know, credit to the coach for really empowering him to go, no, you, I want you to own this. Yeah. And, you know, that pass that he threw for that first try for, um, for Stafford Toa. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously, he was playing nine in that game, but those are parts of his game that you're not seeing last year when he doesn't have the confidence that he's riding. Now he's, you know, taking a lot more charge and lead as as being a sort of a key position for that Newcastle Knights side. Yeah, and and then the other the other five eight that I think has been outstanding this year is the Penrith Panthers five eight Jerome Lua. You know, he's uh, there's uh, I think so he played the first two games and he had the break and then. Cleary got suspended. So then that Matt Burden got bought in. And Matt Burden in those two games probably had a big impact. Well, it looked like, anyway, visually, it looked like he had a bigger impact on the game. And there was a little bit of a question mark over who would actually remain in that sixth position when Cleary comes back. And they went with Luar. I thought they were going to go with Luar on the back of the combination that they've had growing up. And pretty much as soon as Cleary came back, Luar went to another level. Yeah. You know what I mean? He actually started to shine. And he's been shining ever since, really. He, uh, he's got some weapons outside of him. Absolutely. He's got Kikau, or Kiko is actually the pronunciation, and Crichton outside him, who are playing exceptional as well. But so is he. He is playing just as exceptional as those other two. He's creating some, lo- uh, some, some opportunities with his kicking game. He's playing, you know, he only really sort of sticks on that left edge. 
And we've spoken about how Tyrone May is probably in charge of that that right edge, so to speak. Yeah. The way that Jerome Luai, I think he is the one that is epitomising how the rest of the Panthers are playing. Now, Cleary might be steering the ship there, definitely. I'm not taking that away from him. But I feel like the way that Luai is playing epitomises the rest of the Panthers. Means it's a lot of confidence, a lot of skill, um, and, yeah, just, just playing just great footy. You know what I mean? Nothing sort of phases him. And then I also want to talk more about, more about Luai is... I think he has a big, big responsibility now because he could end up playing for Australia or, or New South Wales. And they're, they're looking at these eligibility rules, but he's already played for Samoa, right? Now, I think he has as big a responsibility as Andrew Fafida and Jason Tamalolo as, as if he finishes the year as one of the top two, top three, five eights in the game, now Samoa are playing this year. But if he pledges his allegiance to Samoa, in 10 years, 20 years' time, these Pacific Island nations aren't just going to be basing it on hoping that this guy makes allegiances. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're going to actually be, that's what I want to play for now. For sure. You know what I mean? and, and if he can t- transition this, in, I'm pretty sure Crichton Samoan as well, get him in that Samoan side. You know, Tapao made a big post about that. I sort of giggled at a little bit. But, you know, that that's, a, that's something that, if they could start showing that this is an actual credible team, hmm. they'll start. There won't be question marks on where, the, where their allegiances lie anymore. Sure, for sure. Uh, look, there's nothing. There was nothing that would excite me more than having, you know, when that Origin period comes through the year, and we've obviously got these great Origin matches, but also during that same period, we're getting Tonga versus Samoa. Yeah. We're getting we're getting Fiji. You know, these these stars repping Fiji and. Cook Islands and PNG, and just back to sort of Luai and his and his you know his his performances this year. There's something. There's definitely something to being able to play a really good number two role. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Clearly steering the ship, but he's filling that number two role perfectly, and he's more than just a sidekick. Fifteen tries this this year. You talk yeah. about he's got plenty of weapons outside him. Well, it's all good and well to have the weapons, but if you don't know how to use that gun, then you're not going to be able to do much other than hit people over the head with it. So. Um, 12 forced dropouts to go with that as well. So he's got a de- deaf little kicking game to go with him. And yeah, that combination that he has with Cleary, he's been playing with him since he was, what, 13 or something. Um, I've been playing against that 13 years old. So, you know, it's it, they, he's been great he, for sure. I'd, have to, I'd go with you there. Yeah, but um, obviously we've got the big names. There's Luke Cleary, Cam Munster, Cody Walker. Yep, and uh, Dylan Brown. Dylan Brown. He's fantastic. Can we get sort of? I'd forgotten about him a little bit when I first started thinking about him because he obviously got injured last week. Um, but he's been he was massive for him for a big part of the year. You know, sometimes you feel like you, he has moments where he's not able to impact the game, and you know he's only twenty as well. But he's so dynamic. Um, he one of the leading players for in, for the Eels for line breaks, nine line breaks. Um, 11 force dropouts, 120 metres a game. And they're all the flashy things and the exciting things he does in attack. It's his toughness and resilience in defence, which impresses me the most. The amount of times that Dylan Brown's making that cover tackle, running down wingers, um, covering, as we saw in the finals last year, they're down 30 nil in the finals, the last game of the year. But he's not going to let them get one more. Um, so he's going to be the face of that team in years to come. Yeah, he does uh, a lot of and- Yeah, it does all the dirty work. He 
he looks he seems like a guy that will be a future leader yep. without a doubt um in his football career and and he's already has he already played for New Zealand I don't think he's played for New Zealand uh but he he could the talks of the squads he could qualify Samoa just like Jerome Luai does yeah so he's Kiwi brought up in New Zealand but he's Samoan and, and I'm not mm-hmm. saying he shouldn't be allowed to play for for New Zealand and same with Luai. If Luai wants to play for Australia, absolutely fine as well. But yeah. um, just understand that if he was to, he could have such a strong influence. Anyway, I said he has a lot of responsibility. He can do whatever the F he likes, but he will have a big impact on the future of Polynesian football. Because, uh, you know, we've already, they've already done Tonga. I reckon Tonga's already taken care of. I think yeah. people are okay and feel confident in, in going towards soccer. And, you know, Martin Tapao's post could have been an indication of, of doing the same thing for Samoa. But, yeah. you, know, you know, we want to see the Milfords who take Queensland anymore. I don't want to play for Queensland. I want to play for Samoa. I want to do that. But also, at the same time, if they want to play for Australia, that's fine as well. But none of this middle ground where you go and, you know, pick up the, oh, okay, I didn't make the rep squad, so I'm going to go play there. Just make it, draw a line in the sand. Mm. Anyway, we'll move on to the halfbacks, the big paychecks. Uh, now, just before you move to the halfbacks, I want to say, Wick, this is uh, uh, it's quite rare for the two the two of us yes to miss an opportunity to speak of our great mate Luke Kiry. Now that's the quickest brush over we've had of probably the premier six in the comp. Yeah. Now we we were talking a little bit earlier today. We you said he'd be your Australian six, and I kind of, yeah. I, I, Munster wouldn't be wouldn't be the a six for Australia. And I kind of scoffed and said, um, "Well, I'm glad you're not picking the side." And then he said, yeah. "Well, I'd have Kiri in there." And you know, my defense went back up to defend what I said, but I sort of I rolled back over, going, "Well, yeah, that's fucking probably pretty fair, actually, to be honest." Yeah, yeah. Um, he he's a sensational. I mean, obviously, it's it's not new for Kiri. He's really sort of stamped a, his name over the last couple of years, and in and massive definition in that grand final in 2018. Um, but he, he plays very much. He's playing, he's, he's got the six on his Jersey, but with his, an inexperienced halfback next to him, you know, he's that, he's the lead, the leading half in that half in that side. And the way he can just impact games of football, both with that big play, whether it be the pass or the kick, or just that deft little thing that he does through the game or getting the guy in the right position um, he's a really, really clever player. So, yeah. really look forward to seeing more of so, Yeah, okay. So, we'll, we will touch on it then. So, I, I by no means was bagging, bagging um, Mudster. But no, not at all. More just yeah. acknowledging the other guys playing so well. Yeah, correct. So, I think because what we're talking about, I don't want to give too much away, but I, I'll, we had a bit of a disagreement over, you know, who our, our number one sixes would be. Now, we probably both would have agreed that it was, was Kiri. But then it started to go into a conversation over... Who was the second six, or who would? I've actually think I've got. I actually, okay, I don't want to give too much away. But there's still three weeks to go, so you actually yep. have to name your team. I've already named my team. And You've I've got your preliminary squad. You got your preliminary squad. Yeah, I've got my preliminary squad. Now I'm up for change, and I'm willing to hear people's comments. But I've actually got Luai as the number one six for this year. That's me. So um, I think I might have sent that to you, and you've gone. Well, you've forgotten about Munster, and I go, yeah, I know. I, I, I haven't forgotten about him. I don't have him in in the conversation of the top two. And you go, you said something, and I go, well, he wouldn't, he wouldn't, I wouldn't pick him for Australia. And you go, well, I'm glad you're not picking the team. And then I sent you the two halves that I went, and yeah. it's hard to argue against Nathan Cleary and Luke Keary back to back Premiership five eight. 
Yeah. Let's not say that Munster's not good, but Kiri's been playing better than Munster. That's how yeah. I saw it. And so when you really think about it, well, if we're picking the top team on four, which is what we're doing, and then if you go to the Australian team, well, it's not that big a risk to pick Cleary, who's won back-to-back Origin Series and the form halfback of the year, and Luke Keary, who's won back-to-back premierships, it is the form five eight of the year. That's not yeah. a big big thing to actually go, well, those are the five. And then to say, well, sorry, DC, you're the captain of Australia. You're not going to get picked. Oh, he's not the captain of Australia, Captain Queensland. Well, oh, okay. No, he wasn't the captain. The boy's the captain of Australia, yeah. But, but, but still, yeah, he's a, he's a state leader and the halfback. So yeah, it's yeah. almost kind of, it's a bit of a shame that there's not going to be an Australian test this year because yeah. there could have been some shake-ups, especially with the finals towards the end, the teams that, and rep players that are missing out on finals, yeah. and then obviously Origin to be played at the back end. There could have been a lot of shake-ups. So right. um, hopefully bring, bring that in, mid, 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 uh, mid-season test back next year. We want to see these Aussies playing soon. This year, Munster pretty almost like not not saying that they fucking are worried about it or anything, but you know, you know, I'm not saying across their mind and they're like, oh, thank God. But it's sort of like they're a little bit lucky there that they don't they don't get an opportunity to lose their position, and then it yeah. comes around next year. They've got another half you know where they keep, and they can keep that incumbency kind of thing. Yeah, they can keep that incumbency there. Which you know, the thing is, that's how good a football players are. They're not going to make it. They're not just going to give the top, the jerseys over. Yeah, I mean, it's not like they play to keep their Australian jersey. They're just that good that they got to put more performances out there. And let's be fair, when Turbo comes back, DC looks like a completely different player. I'm not saying he's yeah. playing bad, but he plays a hell of a lot better because you're winning. And when your team you got more help, yeah. When your team's winning, you look like a better player. It's a well, you when you can run and look to the outside when you've got Turbo on your inside shoulder, suddenly the defense starts missing tackles and making poor decisions, and you yeah, look pretty exactly. good. Exactly. And the thing is, Munster had that injury this year. And and to be fair, although he's been playing, you know, somewhat decent, probably contributing, he's been quiet for Munster standards. I think as well, I think you've just seen other guys step up um, around in that Melbourne Storm team where he hasn't had to do as, as much, I guess, you know, yeah. but, you know, in big game, big moments. And he's had his, he had his moments here and there. But yeah, you're right. He hasn't been that bright star that we're used to seeing him. Yeah, but no doubt, if he played for Origin, he'd probably be the best on the field. But that's Exactly. Not. Yeah, exactly. All right, now we'll go to the halfbacks. I'm going to shoot off with the halfback. My favourite yep. halfback this year. Probably not the best halfback this year, but my favourite, George Williams. I think he's been fantastic. The way that he played against the Roosters on the weekend, he was kicking unbelievable. He even did this kick later in the game where the commentator actually criticised the kick. The commentator was right, but it just... It just shows that he's still got that touch where he, he went to do a kick and it ended up getting a feet set. And it was at the point of the game where they actually probably needed to score off the kick. But he, yeah. was, he was getting repeat sets all game. He he had the ball on a string pretty much. He's very good offensively. He doesn't pat, panic either. He doesn't. Yeah. And, and that was a perfect example where he ended up, you know, due to his lack of panic, he ended up probably getting a repeat set. And if you're getting a repeat set as, a, as opposed to turning the ball over, it's a hell of a lot better than turning the ball over. So I just think he's been spectacular this year. First game, I'm very critical of the English players coming out here. And Especially in their skill positions. You know, it's a, it's a, it is a different game. Yeah, so... I haven't seen too many of their halves come out here and not do too well. It was more the Thompson, 
or Tompkins and the wingers, really. The wingers, like even Ryan Hawes hasn't really made his mark over here. Granted, he's a lot older than what he was when he was in his prime in the Super League, but it's more so their outside backs because their back rows have come out here. Whitehead, Bateman, fucking killed it. Alice killed it. Burgess killed it. So their forwards, and that, so I've probably got to stop doing that, really. When those English players come out here, just take them as whoever they are, like I did with Bateman. Didn't have any expectation of Bateman. Had no expectation of Williams. And they've been spectacular. They're in the top. They're yep. in the conversation for the best players in their position. Yeah, so yeah he's got a great. Little, he's got a great little attacking kicking game, George Williams, doesn't he? Those those little chips, those little grubbers, and Grandma's uh, back. yeah, yeah, and just sniffing about the line. So yeah, you know, he's definitely exciting and fun to watch. Well, one one of my favourite guys to watch this year, and uh, I spoke about him earlier in the year, is, is young Jerome Hughes. Yep. We talked about him earlier in the pod about how last year he was, you know, he started the year at fullback yeah. and he spent most of his career playing fullback uh, coming through the ranks. You know, he's in the Queensland cup team of the year as fullback, uh, but he's really found a home at halfback and he hasn't lost that running game. That's, that is really part of him, but he's, it's his kicking game and that just, just picking his spots, you know, he's really grown and look, there's no better tutelage than having guys like Cameron Smith, Cameron Munster, Craig Bellamy, you've got Billy Slater in the background. So he's just gotten a lot better at picking his spots and knowing when to um, assert himself. And I think a real breakout game for me was uh, when they played us the second time and they were missing Munster and Smith and Jerome Hughes um, and we, along with young Pappenhausen. They just stepped up and took charge in that game. Um, so he's been killer. And he's got that lethal uh, left foot step, comes back off the left bit of speed with him and his kicking games just really come along. So um, he's been massive. They've been able to kind of, that was obviously a big quest for them in trying to fill that sizable hole left by Cooper Cronk. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it looked like they found their guy with the seven jersey. And it was a lot of pressure. I feel a little bit sorry for Brady Croft because he was probably the the next halfback in line there. But just yeah. because you're the next halfback in line there doesn't, definitely doesn't mean you're as good as the guy in front of you. Yeah. You know, it also it doesn't also always mean that you're better than the ones behind you either. It just means you're you get first shot. You just got first shot. Doesn't mean you're it's your you got your name on that jersey yet. Yeah. You're going to get the first opportunity there. And because his name was Croft and it sounded like Cronk and he was at Melbourne yeah. and he, and he probably was, had a couple you know, he got expected to be like Cronk. And it, it wasn't very fair to him. And now he fucking ends up getting signed as one of their marquee signings for the Broncos, shoved into their leadership's team, and he's not even in the team anymore. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, not, a, not a great little run for him. But he's down in Melbourne. Mm, yeah. yeah. No, it is a shame. But, look, it's great to see for, for Hughes. You know, he's, yeah. he's going to be, be vital for them for this final uh, I'm not sure if you've got numbers for this guy, but Nathan Cleary, what's his numbers look like? Nathan Cleary, yeah, I do have Nathan Cleary's numbers. Um, they're outstanding. They're well, outstanding. Give us, give us um, a... uh, look, four tries, four 12 tries, assists, four line breaks, 10 line break assists, 23 force dropouts. He does pretty much 23 force dropouts. So one and a half a game. Um, he basically does all the kicking. I think he's you know nearly 500 metres, kicking metres a game. Yeah. And... Look, he's always had a good kicking game since he's come on at his young age. That's why there was such high raps for him. But his kicking game's gone to another level, I think, this year. You know, he's long and short. And just that calm and composure he has, uh, the way he can just... He is he is like uh, Andre Rue. You know, Andre Rue, the composer. Yeah. He's just 
conducting a, a, a symphony orchestra there with those Penny Panthers. I think Andre actually plays an instrument. No, he's a composer. Andre is a composer. He probably oh. does play, probably plays multiple instruments. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah he probably plays about five instruments. Um, but yeah, he's, he's sensational, Kiri. And look, you know, kicks goals as well. 82% um, goal kicking. And look, he's, and even despite, despite all the, the suspension and the TikTok and the minus Dally M points that he's going to get this year, he's still every chance of winning it. He's still every chance of winning it even when you do take those six points off him. So I wouldn't be surprised if he was. It's a, it's a bloody shame that, um, that you can't have a little punt on it because I would have had a little sneaky something on it. Um, I had to ruin it. Awesome. It was always going to happen. It was just a matter of time. It was a matter of time that the, the agency that was counting him was going to do the deed. It was always mm-hmm. an awful. Yeah. It, look, he's, he's, just, he's just great to watch. He's great yeah. to watch. Also, another guy who's had a breakout season. It's, I think it was his debut year, really breakout season. Jamal Fogarty. Or Fo- Fo- yeah. Fogarty. Fogarty. Fogarty, yeah. Yeah, he's been great. And, you know, older guy, 26, I think he is. And, you know, come on. And he's been great for the Titans. Um, real resurgent year for him after having some, some time down at the bottom of the ladder. And he's been a great find. Uh, yeah. He's... He's, he seems to... It's kind of helped to Ash Taylor's game as Definitely. well. That's exactly what I was just about to say. Definitely he's helped Ash Taylor more than he's helped the Titans. And by yeah. what has he done is he's taken the responsibility away from Ash Taylor. You know, there's one thing for someone to get paid at a certain wage. But after, after that's all said and done, now we have to actually go out there with the squad that we've got. We've all got to perform as well as we can. And Jamal Fogarty, or Fogarty sorry, is better than Taylor. It's as simple as that. Experience. Yeah. Calmness, and it probably comes down to mainly experience is why he's better. There's probably touches and moments where Taylor might be able to do things better than than Fogarty, but overall Fogarty, and that's why he was given the seven. And and as good as he's been for the Titans, I think he's been a lot better for for his his mate Ash Taylor. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, it's it's great to see. I love seeing these. You know, when you do get to see a guy who breaks through, sort of 23, 24, and older, you know, it's very tough. Um, when you don't make it young uh, and early in your career. And then I'm sure there's, there would have been times throughout before he's able to break through where he's going, do I stick at this? Do I keep trying to you know, pursue this dream? Um, do I need to start thinking about other things in my life, looking after my family and getting another career? So awesome for him to, to be there for the Titans. And I'm sure it'll be exciting for him next year with the, some of the other guys coming to that side. Really allow to have some... To have some weapons, there'd be nothing like running and be able to pop the ball to uh, to Fasua Maliawi or, or David Fafida. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And one guy I will mention: look, he's he's not going to be he's not going to be one of the halfbacks of the year. Um, but we we can't leave out uh, Cherry Evans as as poor as Manly have been this year. Um, they've been very disappointing. There haven't there hasn't been anything to do with Daly Cherry Evans. Uh, he's the heart, you know, been the heart and soul for Manly. He's always ripping him with massive effort. He's a very classy and skillful player. He lays on plenty of tries. And, and like you said earlier, Wick, it's, it does become quite difficult um, when you do lose your strike weapon in Tom Trebojevic. Um, but that hasn't stopped uh, D- Daly from sort of stepping up as much as possible. He's a great leader for Manly. And look, he is the Australian incumbent half. Yeah. Uh, so with a few more weapons in and around him, look, a halfback can, it can only do so much without so many weapons. And, and the way that Manly side is, it's just been a season from hell for him. So special mention for his effort and, and what he does for Cherry Evans. But look, unfortunately, probably it's not going to be a year that he's going to look back on in fondness yeah. um, for the team success that they've had. So that the lack of, you don't always have to be 18. 
the first team. Like, Ronaldo has always made the first team, although he would always be first pick. Yeah, pretty much always made the first team, actually. Okay, maybe he has made the first team, but as I said, there's only five. Uh, I suppose there's 30 teams. Yeah, yeah, no, there's 30 teams, so it's, it's, uh, if you're making the. Does the is theirs done by a fan vote? Done by no, not a fan vote, not the LNBA. That's done by um the media. They have uh all it's all media voted at the end of the year. So they have they'll have uh, select media from diff- all different states and all areas of uh, around all teams. So you're not getting too much bias from, you know, someone who's just in LA or just in Portland or whatever else, yeah. and they'll vote on. Um, all their awards, they'll vote on their all NBA. They'll submit this is my first, second, and third team, and then based off that, they'll select who got those votes to be selected as the first, second, and third team. And I think it's the best way to do it because instead of you really are getting a consensus of the whole year, that's why I really enjoyed doing this because you're looking at, at the, the whole year and going who's been the best over the course of the year, not just getting caught up in this number and that number from what I see and what impact you've been able to have on your team you to me have been in part of the best team of the year absolutely anyway I've had I've had fun with doing that that's been good uh, yeah. we've got the forwards next week we've got the forwards next week so you know get, tell all your mates about this have a listen get on the Instagram page or our Facebook page and, and give us your thoughts you know you might be able to change our mind just create a discussion about you know who deserves to, to be there if we've missed any players as well because we're willing to, to listen and throw it out there. Uh, we've still got next week to talk about the forwards, and then the week after that, we've got to announce our teams. Mm. Uh, and look, this is the business. We won't have like, we won't, we're not going to have, you know, Tedesco and Pappenhausen uh, split. We couldn't decide for the first, and then we've got Carla Ponga for third. No, no, no. We will know this guy is our first team. And this guy is our second team. That is, that's what we're going to do. We've got to, we've got to have it out now. We might even have a recording. You never know of us discussing it, and you can see us have a blue like we're renowned for. Anyway, Ooh. thanks for listening, guys. It's been an absolute pleasure. Get behind us. Tell your friends. Uh, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, whatever. Comment, share, do what you got to do. Come and get me. Anyway, up the chooks. Peace out. Go to the cookies. Pagak. Pagak.